Okay, so we've been talking through the book of Mark with an eye specifically on the question, who is this? And right now we're going through a series of four miracles that Jesus performs, calming the storm, driving out the demon, demons, um, healing a woman of hemophilia or something similar, and raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. So that's power over nature, power over demons, power over sickness, and even power over death. Um, And today we'll be dealing with the second of those, which is power over demons. Um, And let's open this with prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and all the messages that you've sent to us in them. Thank you for the love that you show and that we can always turn to it for, for wisdom and comfort and a vision of your love. Please be with us tonight and let us all learn from it. Amen. So I will start with reading the section. It is Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been found with shackles and chains, but been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus saw him from afar, he and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from, to depart from their region. As he was getting possessed with demons, begged him to be with him, and he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So, again, coming back to the context, we're in Mark. Jesus has just calmed the storm. The disciples have just landed after a life-threatening all-nighter. And, and they to the other side of the sea, to the country. Now, the country is on the Sea of Galilee. It's part of the, the Decapolis region, which was not Jewish predominantly. They were... Hellenistic independent cities. So this is 
culturally Greek, the the hip modern culture, and I envision this essentially as a missions trip from the disciples and Jesus are getting in the boat and going across, and as a disciple, that's what I would be expecting. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Again, having come across in a life life-threatening all-nighter in a storm. I imagine as a disciple, I would be very disappointed to be immediately met by a man who was violent and literally possessed. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself. So this man is living in an unclean land of primarily settled by Gentiles. He's possessed with an unclean spirit. He lives near the tombs, which, according to Jewish ceremonial law, is nearly as unclean as it gets. Um, in Numbers 19, verse 16, it says, Whoever in the open field touches someone who was killed with a sword or who died naturally or touches a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. And to to become clean again required a seven-day process of multiple sacrifices and ceremonial cleansings. So this man is nearly as unclean, as ceremonially unclean as it gets, and is being approached by a rabbi, or rather is approaching a rabbi. Again, in, in my own mind, I was contextualizing this as the mission strip and imagining the disciples coming from Judea or Galilee. We can say Linden. They come from, they've got a windmill, and they're going across the lake to, to this more modern culture in, into the rough inner city. And, and they're going to spread the word there. And now they're greeted by this, this man who is violent, as soon as they step off this bus after that all-nighter that they've been it, along some mountain passes. And so what do we know about this man again? We come back, somebody tell me something about this, this, this welcoming party. Abram? No? Anyone else? Lulu? Right. He's possessed, and is he, is he a nice guy? Go ahead, Brum. Okay. Well, he's pretty violent. He's screaming and cutting himself. So they get off the bus, and here's a member of the satanic mafia in this rough inner city. And this is the guy that they meet. And when he saw... Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Jesus, son of the most high God. Who is this? Is the question we're answering. And who says? Who is who's answering our question? You got it this time? Right. A guy possessed by a demon is telling us who is this. 
Now, so far in the book of Mark, who have we heard say who Jesus is as son of, the, as son of God? In chapter 1, when he's being baptized, God says, this is my son whom I love. There are two other times before this in the book of Mark, and both times it's by demons. So he's being recognized, certainly. But do those around him recognize him as Jesus? Recognize him as son of the most high God? Um, and as a, kind of an aside, the, the most high God address instead of just the son of God, this is another... Another clue as to this man being a Gentile and living in a Gentile land because they're polytheist. There are many gods, and this god is just the most high. But it also sounds sounds pretty epic. Sounds more... It's got a little more oomph, even though Son of God has quite a bit of oomph to begin with. Okay. Yeah, and... Crying out with a loud voice, he said, what do, you, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So not only is it demons. Yeah, you got something to say, Chris? Right. Three times. Right. Yeah. And they recognize him, and they, they very much recognize his power, too. I, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. I've read another, another version was saying, like, swear to God you won't hurt me. And so they know who he is, they know his power, and they know he's not on their side. It made me think of James 2, verse 19, that you believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Reading on, for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us the, to the pigs. Let us enter them. It took me a few readings through this section to realize that these pronouns are kind of all over the place in this section. Jesus asks, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. Is the man talking a singular name? I wouldn't expect so. But he's so tightly associated with the demons that are living in him that he gives their name. And his identity is rooted in the demons that are living in him. And then he, the man begged him, Jesus, earnestly not to send them, the demons, out of the country. Not only is this man's identity so rooted in the demons that he's got their name, but he is begging to keep these demons. He doesn't want Jesus to send them away. He feels protective of them. Which, <laughs> in this study, I had heck of a time looking for a parable I realized wasn't in the Bible. The story of, of the man who's got his rags and 
and is holding on to them so tightly and and a man invites him into the banquet but we but we don't want you with these rags i will give you this beautiful clothing and you can come into the banquet keep in mind this is still not the bible um but the man is so stuck on holding on to his rags his sin because that's all he has that is his own that he will not give it up and this is what i'm imagining in this man so then the closest I could find that was actually in the Bible. So I find it to be a law, Romans, sorry, Romans 7, verse 21. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law in my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in me. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, so then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And then, the last part of this, the demons beg to be sent into the pigs, where this man has been begging Jesus not to send these demons away. The demons kind of recognize we're getting sent away. And they don't really have any loyalty to him, to the man that they're living in. That's not really a demonic trait. And they realize it's not going to go well, but they say, please, still let us get out of here. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. And I hope those herdmen, herdsmen had some good insurance. In every commentary I've read, it, it was interesting because they said, yeah, that sucks. That's a lot of loss of property. They lost a livelihood. And how do you justify that? Do we pin it on Jesus? Did Jesus destroy those pigs? No? <laughs> Defend your position. Um, okay. I mean... I'd be interested to hear from anyone who's not my kids. And my kids, if they have more to say. Yes, Abram. Who pretty much did? Right. And, go ahead. You... I've heard you say it at least twice, so go for it. I've usually read it as the demons drive the pigs into the sea, but reading it and thinking about it, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea that the pigs go into the sea to destroy the demons. Uh, and it's a little bit earlier in Mark when he's in the wilderness being tempted and the wild animals are with him. So there's kind of a demon mark of he has this connection with the animals that the other gospels don't bring out. Okay. So the demons, the demons are doing the work of destroying... No, the pigs are doing the work of destroying the demons. That way. Okay. Because I have a hard time believing that Jesus is intentionally destroying people's livelihood. Okay. Where were we? Right. 
Because he, because he did. The, yeah, that's true. And you're right, he did have a hand in it because the demons begged to be sent into the pigs. He would totally be within his rights to say no. Sorry, Jesse, did you have something? Like, even, even though the pigs died, then the demons are kind of still around. They're just hanging out. At the, right. <laughs> I don't know. I had a hard time with this because demons are a hard thing to research and find any, any reliable sources on. So I'm sorry. I didn't dig that much deeper in. But, yes. Right. Yeah. 2,000 pigs still don't, still aren't worth enough for one, one human life. Right. Who they exiled to the tombs. I was curious about that part too. Uh, I got nowhere on that. But, sorry, Jan. Bible doesn't say anything. Um, on sneaking the pigs over to the Jews, doubtful. Um, it's more likely that they were being sold to Romans, to the Roman legions, because they had no qualms about eating pigs, and soldiers like eating meat every once in a while. And there is a garrison in the, the Catholic Okay. We're going to move on from that, though, unless someone else has anything to say. Yeah, Jesse? Right. Showing mercy to demons. Which is... Right. Or over them in their housing, he can just straight up destroy their house. Or he can... I find it even stranger that he has mercy on them. On, like, loving, loving his enemy in a way that, like... This is the enemy. There's not really anything redeemable in these demons, as far as I understand. Lily, you got something? Right, and then get cast out of them too, or die. Okay, now I'm actually going to move on. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. There it is again. Yep, I see it on your face. What happened last week? Yes. So after after calming the storm, that's when they were afraid. After this man is no longer violent, no longer screaming and cutting himself and running at innocent travelers who just landed on the side of the shore, on the side of the Sea of Galilee, that's when they're afraid. Granted this time there's 2000 dead pigs in the Sea of Galilee, but still I find that mind-blowing that this is when they're afraid. And 
Concerned about what? What are they? What are they afraid of? They're again afraid that these pigs are dead. Not, not really focusing on the man who was saved, which is an understandable tendency that I feel like we can often fall prey to, where it's easy to point the finger at these crazy people in the Decapolis who who care about their pigs and not about this. See that in Jonah being upset about his vine and what about this whole city of Nineveh, which really can speak to our hearts a lot of the time, I find, where, uh, yeah, Kuzi? Oh, that's... Right. Right. Like a demon-possessed man who's no longer possessed, who cares? But 2,000 dead pigs, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Because... Any good sermon has a pop culture reference. I had to talk. This one reminded me very much of Batman. And in The Dark Knight, there's a man who discovers Bruce Wayne's secret identity. And he goes to Lucius Fox, Bruce Wayne's kind of second-hand man, and says, you know what? I want a million dollars a year, and I want a car, and I want all this stuff. And he responds, let me get this straight. You think that your client... One of the wealthiest and most powerful men in the world is secretly a vigilante who spends his nights beating criminals to a pulp with his bare hands. And your plan is to blackmail this person? Now I see, I'm reading. You believe this man is responsible for pacifying a man that broke chains with his bare hands, exiled a legion of demons, and directly or indirectly caused the destruction of about 2,000 pigs. And you're asking this man to leave? What an opportunity to have Jesus and his ministry in your area. And it's a matter of recognition. They don't recognize, again, they don't recognize the value of this human life. And directing that towards ourselves again, often we fail to recognize the value of human life over economic property. Okay. Jesus asked the people, Jesus is asked to leave by the people of the region, and he does, which is also fascinating, because if we're coming back to the very beginning, our missionaries have come to the inner city after a harrowing all-nighter. They landed. They were approached by a demon-possessed man, gotten out of him. That is a very short minute. It's a disciple, or our hypothetical Linden missionary in the inner city, we've come, we've stepped off the bus. The satanic mafia member is now now a believer. This is great, but now we're getting back on the bus and leaving. 
how do I feel about this as a disciple or as a missionary? I personally would feel a little disappointed, kind of like, that's it? Now we're going back? There's a whole city here that we haven't reached. Does Jesus feel this way? Jesus came across, across the Sea of Galilee in a storm and brought his disciples for a man, a Gentile, with an unclean spirit who lives around the unclean tombs, who pretty desperately wants to hang on to the demons that he's got, did not ask, did not repent, has not, he, he wants his demons. He doesn't want to let his sin go. the pigs. He's worth risking your life on, on the Sea of Galilee. And I hope that, that we can have that approach too. Yes, Deucebergs. Exactly. Yeah. You beat me to it. What's, John? And comes back to the Decapolis, yes. Right. He's planting the seeds of the kingdom. Yeah. And this is who Jesus is. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Financially? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, go on. That it wasn't simply a get out of him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he will. Right. Because he knew he was going to go. Right. Yeah. Which is neat. Yeah. He always knows. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. And he's living out the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the, the lost coin and the lost sheep. He's, he's left the 99 in Israel, in Galilee, yeah. and he's come to save the one.
Then as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Sarah stole my thunder. <laughs> He's the missionary. He's the seed. And that's, that's why he went. Just back into the rough inner city, and he's sowing the seeds, telling how much Jesus had done for him. I found two curious things that I really led to dead ends. But first of all, go home to your friends. Who are this man's friends? He's been demon-possessed and living in tombs for I don't know how long. But, uh, I mean, I would assume that Jesus would know this. But, and thank goodness there are friends because that's who he's proclaiming to and they're marveling. The other thing that's weird about this is that Jesus is telling him to go tell his friends. Where everyone else who has heard this has been told not to. And I think this gets back to what you were saying there, Sarah, too just about he's the seed and so then when he comes back the the kingdom is already is already growing and they're ready to listen just works in amazing ways um that's all i have if yes nate nate interested yeah.